In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, happy Advent to you and to yours. Uh, here we are again, somehow, uh, the season of darkness and wakefulness and waiting, the church season of Advent is upon us. And while waiting is always a fact of life, a very frustrating fact of life, the subject feels, I think, particularly appropriate for this year. Someone forwarded me a cartoon last week that says, today marks five years we've been in 2020. I thought it was funny. Um, but we are all waiting. We're all waiting, sort of acutely waiting uh, this time. We're waiting for the pandemic to end. I don't know, care who you are. You're waiting for this to be behind us. Maybe you're waiting, uh, you're waiting for a vaccine. Well, once we receive a vaccine, we're told we're going to have to wait for people to actually take it. Maybe you're simply waiting for, for your children to go back to school, or you're waiting to attend a football game again in person, or, or a live music. Perhaps you're waiting to have a social life. I, for one, am waiting, increasingly impatient, for church to open again. Uh, this just seems interminable, and it is painful. As the kinks sing, we're so tired of waiting. Tired of waiting for you. We're waiting for the waiting to end. Of course, uh, pre-pandemic, we did a whole lot of waiting as well. And it wasn't just waiting all year to get the right sunglasses on that Black Friday sale like I am right now. We, we, if you have small children, you know that um, they wait. They're always asking, when is dinner? When is lunch? What? Uh, when is my birthday? Just wait, just wait for Christmas. They, they wait, they wait until they can watch certain movies or get a phone. Uh, we all, we wait to grow up. And then once we've grown up, we, maybe we wait to meet that special someone. And then we wait for that special someone to commit. And then, of course, we wait for that special someone to change. Uh, once we're together, once that relationship maybe has actually happened, well, then, then, then we wait for, to conceive a child. Uh, and once we have a baby, we wait for that kid to be out of diapers so that we can get a good night's sleep. Once that child is grown, perhaps around the holidays, you wait for them to call or to visit. Uh, and, and, and you wish they would sooner than they do. Career-wise, we wait for the right job. We wait for, for a promotion. We wait for the, for the perfect opportunity. Uh, maybe then we start to wait for retirement. Once you're retired, you, you wait on test results. Then maybe you wait for the right treatment. You wait for your, your finances to finally be in order. Or you simply wait to feel better, for the depression to lift, or the anxiety to fade. Now, waiting is clearly painful. And there is a part of waiting that is probably built into the nature of the game, in the nature of creation, simply in the, the turning of the seasons. There is a time for, you know, that, that as, as we read in the Bible, there's a, a season for this, that, and the other. So there's something natural about waiting, but there's also something deeply broken about it. You know, waiting can turn into despair. Just read the account of Jesus healing the paralytic at the pool of Siloam, a man who's been waiting, who's basically given up on ever getting better. 
we can relate. I mean, who, who likes waiting? No one. Uh, children, we, we, we say children aren't good at waiting, but adults aren't good at waiting either. I mean, uh, maybe it's been a while since you've been in an airport, but let me remind, just, just drive uh, to the red lights around this town and you will find people who are, cannot wait a second longer than they have to. Go to a waiting room and you will see people snapping away at their phones and, and, and pushing back against the indignity of being made to wait. Now, Advent is in large part designed to draw attention to our impatience, to the fact that we would much rather pounce than pause. And, and this, this actually, this, this proactive approach is, is really affirmed, I think, in the world where, where if you don't express an opinion about a headline immediately, you are, you are, you are, you are told that you are, you, you are kowtowing or you're not being clear enough. There is no reward for, for waiting, it seems. Uh, and yet here we are in our impatience. Some would say people's impatience with the pandemic is what's making the pandemic worse. Now, what do we not like about uh, waiting? Well, part of what we hate, I think, is simply the uncertainty and the implication that it is something is out of our control. We cannot engineer whatever it is we're waiting on. But it's, it's more than that. Because I think for most of us, waiting is a form, it's equivalent to discouragement. It equals not getting what you want. Your, your wish being denied. And again, on top of that, we're told that waiting is sort of for, for, for passive people, for type B uh, personalities, for, 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 for those who are lazy. So we're told instead to stop waiting and start living as one of the slogans you'll see on t-shirts and, and on placards reads. Now, how does Isaiah respond? Because it turns out he knew quite a bit about um, waiting and impatience. The opening verse of the chapter of 64 that Lizzie just read is Isaiah speaking to God and saying, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Now. Come down now. He's pleading for an almost violent intervention in the world uh, where you are sick of waiting, waiting for justice, waiting for forgiveness, waiting for mercy, waiting simply for God. So Isaiah shares our impatience and he shares our yearning for this waiting to end. And he's not the only one in the Bible. The Bible is full, chock full of impatient people and a patient God. You see, he also claims out in this two verses later, something remarkable. The God that he is asking to, to tear open the heavens and come down is also the God, he says, who works for those who wait for him. That God is no stranger to waiting. In fact, from God's point of view, it would appear waiting might even be a good thing. Could it be, and I think it is, that waiting in the Bible is actually a synonym for believing? It's a synonym for hoping. When you give yourself the freedom to just wait, what you're effectively saying is, I believe in a God who will show up. A God who's, who never seems to be early, 
but does get there eventually, who has things under control even when I don't. In fact, come to find out the period of waiting in our lives is often when God is unwittingly doing surgery on our desires. And this seldom stops us from, from jumping the gun which usually forces the issue and is the reason why so many plans go wrong. We cannot wait any longer than we do. Now, how then do we wait? What, what is the secret to waiting? Well, there's I'll, the only clue that I think we get here, and it's actually from the other reading in the lectionary, which is in 1 Corinthians, is that it's a lot easier to wait when you know that what's coming is worth it. Hope, hope, which is the fuel for waiting, lies in the light of the thing that's going to come. Now, we saw a powerful example of this past week where the In-N-Out Burger, if you've ever been on the West Coast, In-N-Out Burger is sort of a institution that, that people speak of in hallowed terms. And uh, it is a burger joint that folks just swear by. They make pilgrimages to. They just opened to this past weekend in Colorado. And the lines on opening day were 14 hours long. That's how long people were waiting for those burgers. Now, I've had the burgers. They're good. But there's a loyalty to that brand, which is almost uh, uh, miraculous. These people were waiting in line, though, because they knew what they were getting at the end of it. And for them, 14 hours seemed like a worthwhile for that delicious mixture of, uh, of, of, of ground beef and the perfect bun and the, the special sauce. That's why they waited. Now, if you're like me and you go to, you drive by Trader Joe's on a Saturday and the line is, is a mile long and you say, well, I only need a couple things. I'm not going to wait in that. So our, our ability to wait is in direct proportion to, to what we're waiting for. So what, what are we waiting for in Advent? What, is, what, is we, what are we waiting for? Well, 1 Corinthians tells us that we're waiting for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting, yes, for that baby to be born in the manger, the baby who was born not on the other side of darkness, but right in the midst of it, the God who is present where we least expect it. But we're also waiting, and in fact, more accurately, those of us on this side of history, we are waiting for Christ's coming again. We are waiting for the Lord to return and to right all the wrongs. Now, you are familiar with at least some of the wrongs, not only in the wider world, but what about your own life? Those that are highlighted at Thanksgiving and Christmas. We are waiting for God who has promised to wipe away every tear, to banish all suffering, all uncertainty, and yes, all waiting. God who will establish his kingdom of righteousness and peace where we'll walk as one and the hardness of this life will be overcome. This uh, coming kingdom that comes with Jesus Christ is the place where no sorrow that you're experiencing right now is too great that it cannot be transmuted into joy. It 
is better than we could possibly ask or imagine. In other words, it is worth waiting for. So if you are being made to wait, well, know that what's coming is worth it. Know, moreover, that this Advent, God is in the waiting room with you. And while you may not have the strength to endure what feels like an interminable uh, cue, well, fortunately, where he's not there to give you strength, God is there to be your strength, like a quiet friend patiently holding out, holding your hand, there to share in both the excitement and the dread of what will finally arrive, and also to help you get through this time of passivity without tearing all of your hair out. But hear me when I say most finally that the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ tells us loud and clear that if you find it difficult to wait, God is not waiting on you. He's not waiting on you to get it together. He's not waiting on you to become more patient. He's not waiting on you to be more certain about him. In fact, he has torn open the heavens and his spirit has descended like a dove. His son has been baptized. His son has been crucified and his son has risen again so that you and I might know definitively right here today that the wait for forgiveness and the wait for grace is over. Amen.